Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today's guest is Joe Miles from Osseo Gear. You may have heard Joe on the podcast previously. It was sometime around last year, and we talked all about Osseo Gear, the camouflage, what need brought Osseo Gear to the marketplace. And now Joe is continuing to solve our bow hunting problems developing new garments specifically designed for bow hunters. In the beginning of the episode, we talked about all the new Osseo products, the new Osseo 2.0 with the bow hunter's collar, a quieter fabric where you need to be quiet, a new mobile hunter's pack, and plenty of more exciting products coming from the Osseo lineup. And then towards the middle and the end of the episode, we talk about preparing to have the best season of your life. Where do your priorities need to be when preparing for a hunt? It's a great conversation. Always enjoy sitting down with Joe. Make sure you guys check out what he has going on everywhere that he is. The dude just doesn't stop. Before we get into the episode, a couple quick announcements. This is the last call for Velvet Fest. So this last week is the last call for Velvet Fest. You have one more week to save 15% store-wide on the Exodus website, exodusoutdoorgear.com with the code VFest23. This year's Velvet Fest celebration was bigger and better than ever with new chances to save some money every week. And you still can take advantage of some of these savings. So two renders for $499 using the code RENDER2. That is a savings of $170. You take that savings of $170 and buy a rival. Or if you just want rivals, you can get four rivals for $599. And that's a savings of $120, which you can turn into some solar panels. Use the code RIVAL4 to take advantage of that. And then last week, we had 10 SD cards, 10 32-gigabyte Exodus SD cards for $100, and that saves you $50. Again, turn that money into solar power. Use code SD10 to take advantage of that. And this week, we have 20% off gift cards on the Exodus website. Use code GIFT20. In addition, last week, we announced the giveaway with bow hunting ohio whitetails it's a five-day diy rut hunt the link to win that will be in the description we are also throwing in three render sp18 bundles the total value of this hunt is over four thousand dollars real quick five days october 30th through november 3rd or 4th complete access to a 365 acre parcel on-site lodging in some of southern ohio's most premier ground to enter to win click the link in the description sign up with your email and phone number and then every ten dollars spent on the store is going to get you additional entry so if you buy something for say you buy a rival for 180 dollars, it gets you 18 entries so guys make sure you're taking advantage of that in the order notes put giveaway that's all i have a bunch of exciting stuff i'm hunting in three weeks i hope everyone is having a great summer leading into the fall and with that let's get into this week's episode with Joe Miles. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I have a repeat offender and became pretty good friends, Joe Miles from Osseo Gear. How's it going, Joe? Going good, man. Uh, repeat offender. I've heard that a bunch of times in my life. <laughs> yeah, for for the hopefully for the right things. Uh, no comment no i'm kidding no. appreciate that uh, that's a, a good intro there buddy <laughs> yes sir i uh had you on i don't know last year at some point and we talked about everything osseo gear and uh whitetail cribs guest some other content on the exodus channel as well and um just from talking to you in the last podcast i was like man i left off there and there's so much more that i want to talk about and I feel like even now I'm in a better position to talk about it because I am more educated on um, some archery topics that I want to get into you with. But you also have a bunch of new stuff going on with Osseo, and I want to talk about that too. So let's start with talking about what's new with you and Osseo. Yeah, absolutely, man. So th- this is our season. You know, I, we actually had a marketing meeting yesterday, and I I, I told the team, I was like, we got 120, 120 days to make hay. You know, the next 120 days from now till Christmas is is our busy season. And when we get all the guys outfitted and we've got, uh, I think it's seven new products coming out this year. We've wow. got a we, we If you want to, we, we can dive into those real quick. I can just hit hit them real quick. We've got yeah, absolutely lightweight base layer, heavyweight base layer. And we did a 
a blend of um, it's, it's heavy on the Merino side, but we've got some synthetic in it as well to help it dry quicker. And I tested these things for about three years to dial in the fabric. So it's, you get the warmth and scent elimination of the Merino and then you've got the drying of the synthetic. So it's a, it's a jam up base layer. So we've got those coming. They're, they're actually on pre-order. All of this stuff's on pre-order and it'll be in the warehouse on the 18th of this month. So just a few days away. Um, we've got a new belt, a non-metallic belt. Doesn't have a buckle. We, we, we use some Velcro stuff that um, I actually stole from some SEAL buddies of mine that, that run the same type belt. And I thought that was genius because it's real quiet. I mean, once you get it on, you're not going to hit any metal. You know, if you're wearing a pack or got binoculars or anything down around your waist, don't have to worry about, you know, a metal buckle clanging on anything. So we got that belt coming. We've got a hand muff. 180 grams of Primaloft insulation, 100% windproof. Uh, we've got our 2.0 bibs, uh, jackets. Uh, that's our late season jacket and Sherpa jacket and all of our vest. They've got a little bit new fabric, a quieter fabric and a little more high pile Sherpa on the back to in certain areas to make it even more quiet. And then we've got our patent pending bow hunters collar. And I don't know, have I shown you that collar? Did I show you that in Pennsylvania or no? Yeah, I saw it at Harrisburg. Yep. So it, it, it scallops down and guys, you can see it on the ICO gear website, but it scallops down out of the way. So no string interference. Don't have to fold those collars inside anymore. So it completely stays out of your way. We will keep the full collar for guys that maybe don't bow hunt or, or hmm. want a full collar. So we'll have both options for guys. Um, so yeah, that's, that's everything new ICO man. And, Growing like crazy. Got two new hires. Got Rendell Eric coming on as our trade show manager. He's going to run all of our trade shows next year. And then we've got Lucas Kincaid, young guy that's uh, kind of brand manager and content creator. He, he's a camera camera guru and editing guru. So he started with us. So, yeah, man, just moved into a new space, expanded the square footage. So we, we're going into year four. We're excited about it. That's amazing. This is uh, getting ready to be a milestone for a small business, but I have a, uh, man, I have, I, have, I have a few questions. Number one, um, I'm a base layer nerd. Um, I love base layers. And I remember in that podcast we recorded previously, I asked because of your experience with so many different garments, like what you were going to do with base layers. And you said something was coming. What weight is that base layer going to be in? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 170 is the lightweight and 290 is the heavy. Oh, that's and the heavy. Heavy, yeah, it is. It, you most of them you see out there are 280, and we we went 290, and and we do have a a half zip on the on the heavyweight top. Um, so so yeah, it, the heavyweight one is heavy. Uh, and and I wore them all last season, and you know that's that's something. The, the thing about it depends on how you layer, right? I mean, you can wear a heavy base layer and a vest. You know, just just those two pieces. Um, or, or if you know you get into some Arctic stuff, you can go heavyweight all the way to the late season jacket, you know, with, with a mid season hoodie and vest or something on in between. And man, you, you can get down into negative 15, negative 20 with, with that system. So, you know, it's it, it, like you, you've got a certain way you like to dress and, and what's comfortable for you. And, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but we've got enough stuff now that guys can kind of mix and match and do run the system they want to run. Yeah. And um, you mentioned the 2.0 system and you talked about, um, the quieter fabric on the back, and then there's a little bit different fabric on the front. Talk about that real quick, because I think this is something that um, I remember when you were talking about it first. You're like, "Don't say anything, because we gotta get this out before it gets." Because it's something the industry probably gonna go towards. Yeah, the collar uh, specific. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm certain that the collar is gonna get knocked off. We do have patent pending on it and and you know we'll do the best we can with that but um that so and not to get super nerdy but so fabric the you have wet printing and dry printing and the dry printing or, or it's a heat transfer print where they they take paper that's got your camouflage and they heat transfer it over to the fabric all right so there's only a certain pile or if you know, like fleece, if you think of fleece, the longer the fibers are, you, it, you call that pile. And as it gets longer and longer, like a Berber fleece, when it gets like that, you have to wet print it because the heat transfer won't take on the real long pile. Sure. Um, so 
what happens when you wet print like a Berba fleece, it loses all the definition of the camouflage. So it just looks like a gray brown, you know, kind of collage, if you will, versus a really high definition camo pattern. And we're, we're big camo guys. You know, you and I talked about it when we shot the Cribs thing about why every predator in nature is camouflaged. It, it, there's a reason for that. And so we're, we're, we believe in camouflage, obviously. You don't have to have camouflage to kill a deer and not going to go down that, that rabbit hole right now. But obviously, we're camo people. It makes makes sense, right? Sure. <laughs> so what we did, and, and again, this is going to be nerdy, but um, – the face of our garments, we got as high a grid fleece as we could get and still heat transfer. So you have full definition on the front of the garment. And then on the back, we went with a higher pile, not, not a complete Berba fleece, but a much higher pile fabric on the back that we could wet print. And so the, the fabric is still got a ton of definition because we didn't do super high uh, pile, super Berba fleece. But we love the quieting factors there. So if you're sitting up against a tree or, you know, you've got your saddle on and you're moving and it's on your back, you know, you can move and it's going to be quieter. And then under your arms, shoulders, drawing your bow, where, where we, where the noise is made, we went with a quieter fabric, but what's going to be facing the animal, we've got, you know, high end definition that, that we've always had with that Raptor pattern. So again, this, these are small things. But you you parlay that with the with the new collar, the new fabrics. They start to add up, you know, with our windproof liner, our waterproof membrane. You're starting to be able to sit in the tree for a long time, stay hidden, and, and not have any problems with collars or anything like that. So we're just, you know, inching closer to having, you know, the complete garment. Yeah, I love it. I think um, that I think that's super smart. I mean, we're bow hunters. We're trying to be as close to these animals as possible. And noise is a big factor. Everyone's trying to quiet down their gear. Everyone's trying to quiet down their veins because they're it's this one's louder. They won't shoot this broadhead because it's loud. And then they don't pay any attention to what they have on their body. So, and that's going to deter the deer from even getting into range to have an, have an opportunity on it. So I think it's super smart. And the collar is something that I'm glad and I'm, I'm so happy that somebody addressed it because um, I remember way back when I did a, a white tail cribs episode with John Eberhart and he is a like scent control freak and his gear is so important to him. And he talks about with every piece of upper that he buys, every upper layer that he buys, he cuts the collar off. So you buy a $200 shirt, $200 jacket or whatever. And then you take a pair of scissors and you cut the collar off and um, you just shouldn't have to do that. And no. I, I bought a jacket from a company that was like highly regarded and it's a white tail jacket. It's like the white tail jacket, right? And you buy it and you, you put it on the collar comes up to your ear and you can't even anchor your bow. Uh, and it's just, yep. it's just, and it's a thought that needs to happen for a bow hunter, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, all of that, everything, you know, even with, we call that new fabric design, the 2.0, our panel system. And the reason that was created is I was in Kansas on a dead still 22 degree morning. And I mean, not a breath of wind. And I look over behind me and like 40 yards away is a, is a pretty good buck. I can't see him that well, but I went to pull my binoculars around and the strap on my, on my jacket. And this was probably four or five years ago. The, the, the strap on my jacket, you know, it went up on my shoulder as I lift my binoculars and that buck heard it at 40 wow. yards. Wow. I was like, all right, we, we got to fix this. You know, I was in a, a competitor's um, uniform at the time. Um, but, but I just said that that's got to be fixed. So, so we fixed that. And then, man, I, I can't tell you the number of slow-mo videos that I've watched of guys at, at full draw and letting their air go and seeing it hit their collar. Um, you know, that, that stuff happens. And, and, you know, I was a guy that was, you know, take my vest or whatever and just fold the collar. That was just kind of routine. And you look at all the premium brands out there, they all just copy each other, right. With, with the design, you know? And, and so we, you know, being a small up and coming company, we, we, we are doing things that are going to separate us and, and, and hopefully, you know, get us away from the pack and, and have a unique thing that's in our lane of, of whitetail bow hunting. Yeah, sure. Tree stand, uh, bow hunting. Um, like the target is the tree stand bow hunter. We all have to draw a bow back. And like you said, that collar is a problem for everyone. And now you just don't have to, you don't have to settle. 
You don't have to settle for tucking it in or cutting it off or doing whatever you have to do. So I think that's super smart. Um, last thing I want to cover on the new stuff is the mobile hunter pack as it's being yep. branded. What are the feature? What are some of the features of that pack? Yep. So it's 1650 cubic inches. So it's a cut down version. Our other one's, I think 2,400 right around there. So it's, it's 1650. So it's a smaller pack. And we added uh, some new compression strap buckles. They're auto locking buckles, but you can operate them with one hand. So we've upgraded those buckles. It's really, I mean, when you cinch something down on the back of that pack, it's not going anywhere. And we've got six of those straps. Now we've got two on the back, two on the bottom, and one on the side for if you run like a camera arm out of the side pocket. And then it's got all the features of the other pack other than it doesn't have the waist belt, you know, so it's a, it's a lighter pack, but, but you can get stand sticks. Um, I, I actually hook when, when I ride, I've got one of those electric bikes and I put my bow on that pack uh, because I don't trust those, those racks they have. I feel like it's going to vibrate my, my sight loose or my rest loose. So I, I put the pack on my back and on, on that. And so I lock it down there. Um, and then everything else, you know, we've got a big top compartment, so all your necessities for when you get into the tree, you know, if you, you've got, you need a screw in for your pack or you need a bow holder, a bow hanger, um, binoculars, if you're putting your hat light up, if it's a morning hunt or having to get it out in the evenings, gloves, grunt call, if you're running a grunt call, all that can fit in that top compartment. So you only have one zipper pull in the morning. And then our fabric is actually the same fabric that we use for our late season bibs and jacket. So it's a super, it, we're one of the only companies that has a real quiet fabric on the out of, outside of the packs. Most of the ones out there have like a Cordura and it. I know why, because it's a tough, tough fabric, but it's just not real quiet. And then we tape all of our zippers. So it, they're, it's, it's as quiet a pack as I've seen out there. That's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, checking that out. I've been on the search for a better pack for a while and I thought I had a system that I liked. And then I went on an out of state trip and realized that um, I just had a terrible pack system. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to see that come. There was so much hype around the original pack. I remember, I remember the first time I saw it from Terry Peer. He posted it on Facebook and it just blew up. And it was like, this is the Whitetail Hunters pack. And I'm excited to see that in a smaller package for the quote unquote minimalist um, that I yes. consider myself. Yep. No, we, we're, we're excited about it. You know, it's got the the um, bow hoist compartment underneath that you run the the tag in out of whether you're right-handed or left-handed. We've got grommets where you can run it out. So you've always got that hoist with you. It comes with the rain fly. It does have a waterproof membrane, but that rain fly, it doubles. You can cover the whole pack up with it. But, you know, a lot of guys get dressed at the truck or sometimes even at the base of their tree. And, man, you can spread that thing out and um, stand on it so you don't get crap all over your socks um, in the field. And so that, that's what I use it for a lot. I so, love it. Yeah, the pack, man, it's, it's going to be good. So I, I, we, we're they're, they're starting to go. They're on pre-order right now, and I'm 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 watching the the counter as it goes, and I'm, I, I got a sneaking suspicion we're going to be out of them again. But that's a great problem to have. I agree. That's I mean, it's you're solving a lot of issues, Joe, and people are excited about it, and I'm excited about it. So, um, all good stuff there. Now, I want to talk to you about your preparation we mentioned like silencing gear and that's something a lot of people pay attention to what are you doing it's august 10th your season starts in what five days you, you yep, open up five. yeah yep, so five. what are you what are you doing up until this up until season starts to prepare your gear yeah so I, we'll just talk about south carolina you, you know like what's going on right now right now i have a uh, I don't know what the right word is, a lot, a whole Exodus trail cameras out throughout. I've got 3,600 acres here in the swamp uh, that, I, that I'm running uh, cameras. Just It's hard to find those bachelor groups because we don't have a lot of ag here. It's just all big swamp. we got a little bit of ag and it's, it's hard to find them early season because you know, those, those rut funnels and stuff just, you know, obviously they're not going now. So my, my plant, like this morning I was in the swamp moving five cameras around and I'm just looking for those bachelor herds right now on muscadines and pawpaws and briars and, you know, the little bit of ag that we do have 
the feed that we have. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of what I'm doing with cameras right now. I have found, uh, two bucks. Uh, I found a, a 10 point that's pretty nice. And then a real old, I think he's a six point. He, he was a four point last year. And, you know, I, I, it seems like always early season, I kill these funky bucks in velvet in South Carolina and he would oh, yeah. definitely fit the mold. And, and man, I, I have no shame in shooting a 90 inch five point. Uh, you know, I, I no shame, you know, he's six years old, got giant bases and big forks. And, and so if he, if he sticks around, I'll, I'll probably try and shoot him early. Um, but you know, now saying that he's going to vanish. I try not to talk about any of here. It always jinxes me. Um, but, uh, so, so yeah, that's what I'm, I'm doing right now. And then, you know, I have two, uh, mobile setups that are that are completely dialed, ready to go, and you know they've got sticks and and the stand. They're small, um, and they're they're ready to go. What what I do is, you know, I see a lot of guys, you know, stealth stripping every single thing, and and um, you know, and it's fun, right? You know, you're prepping, you, you feel like you're getting yourself psyched up and in the game and I'm creating this and that. And that's awesome. I, I get it. I, I normally focus on really getting my buckles. Um, I know a lot of guys are using the Amstel and have gone away from the buckles. I still like the buckles, I think probably cause I'm older. So I, I get those re- really quiet. Um, I, I did talk with Sam, the, the Amstel guy and, uh, going to get some of his stuff for maybe my bottom two steps, but those top three, four, and five, if I'm going five, they're going to be buckles. Oh yeah. <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> uh, what are, what do you, do you run the Amstel stuff or the buckleless setup? Yeah. So I, um, I never have used a cam buckle strap. So I went like way back when I first started mobile, I used just like the rope mod. It was like an eight millimeter rope and that was really quiet and easy and light. And then you could make those ropes like eight foot long. So if you came up to a tree that was gigantic, that the straps are only six foot and wouldn't fit around, it just gave you more um, opportunity. And then the stuff got smaller and quieter and lighter. And I, I'm a gear guy. I tried it all out. And right now I have the, I have so many different sets of sticks, but now they're coming standard with the amp steel. So I have the tethered one sticks and those have the amp steel. I have the latitude carbon speed series sticks and those have the amp steel. And then my B sticks, I switched out to, I use a rope mod on the B sticks because the um, Versa button, the gap behind it is too wide to use um, amp steel because it won't cinch on itself. So I use uh the rope mod on those, but yeah, I don't use any buckles. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I still use the buckles and we, we played around with like some tire inner tube, like a 10 speed bike tire inner tube. You can cut those and put them over, but I just get some of blues silent tape, you know, and, and uh stealth strips. What I think that's, I think they're stealth strips is what they're mm-hmm. called. And I, I do that. And then I do around the edge of the, um, of the platform, like the rim of the out of the platform and and that's kind of my mobile setup. And then just about all of my buckles are, are quieted down. And I guess my mobile system is a little bit different in South Carolina. Um, I, I've got the stuff ready to go. Like I could leave this afternoon and go hunt, you know, with stand on my back, ready to go. But I'm very fortunate in that my office here is only 15 minutes from where I hunt. So we're, we're right here on the river where, where my office is. And so what what I do is a lot of times you know, early season, I'm really relying on the cameras and, you know, their own food. And, uh, you know, with you, with y'all's new cell cams, you know, it, it, it makes life a lot easier because, you know, if, if I get a daylight buck that I'm after the evening before, then I'll wait till things kind of warm up in the mornings, the following day, 10, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'll slip in right then and go ahead and hang because it's so hot here to yeah. hang and bang and you're going to be sweating your butt off. So I'll slip in at 11, you know, lunchtime, r- run down to where I'm going to go, slip in, hang, get out of there, come back here, and I'm able to shower here at the office and then go back four or five o'clock and slip in and hunt. And then I'm I'm, I'm keeping my scent way down, and and I've got, you know, it just it, it's, it's a better process because literally, man, we'll have 80%, 90% humidity. It'll be 95 degrees. It's It's awful. Um, so, I mean, you can do it and I have done it, um, you know, just roll with it on your back, climb and hunt. 
And, you know, some guys here in the office do that, you know, they're, they're saddle guys and they've got their sticks and platform and they roll and, and I'll hang that afternoon and I always make them send me a picture when they get in the stand and they, they look like they just took a shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta be out there hanging your set in your underwear and getting, getting dressed. Uh, truly. But yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of for the preparation around here. Um, early season, I don't have any preset, anything. Um, because again, it's, it's just all big cutovers and big woods. And I just don't know, I've got some ideas where they're going to be. So I don't have anything preset for uh, South Carolina early season. My, my rut spots where I know I'm going to be rut hunting. I do have some preset stuff in there and I don't even go near there. I, and if you know, I've got a hunt club that there are 12 members of, and, and, um, these are kind of little hidden and tucked away spots. And if I, I do have cameras in there and, and it's more like for, for burglars, if, if I see one of those guys snooping around there, they're getting a phone call. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's another great advantage to the cell cameras instant. Uh, you instantly know someone's not where they're supposed to be. <laughs> That's right. Exactly yeah. right. So what about, um, what about with your, with your bow and just practicing, you've gone through, like you have so many different drills that you're posting on social media. And I, one thing I want to credit you on, I just watched a video that kind of like gave me a, a really good perspective. And it kind of like made me think like, Hmm, I guess you're right. But you practice so much on technique and just shooting rather than what if I change this, or what if I do this, or what if I shoot this, or um, just like stick with what works, and then you focus so much on practicing with your technique. So talk a little bit about the drills and the preparation you're doing on the archery side for the moment of truth. Yeah, I, you know, I've basically I've got the same bow that I shot last year, and it's rigged up exactly the same. The only change I made to it was I went with that two pin uh, dual tracks uh, black gold sight. I really, really like that. I'm still a little bit nervous. I mean, I, I've only shot one deer at 50 yards in my entire life. Uh, so, so I doubt, I'm, so the two pin, you know, has me a little bit nervous, but um, I've been working on some holdovers. So the bows basically the, exactly the same and, and same rest, everything. And one, once that's dialed every week, I will check windage and elevation. And I just put a piece of, uh, electrical tape or black tape, you know, for, for windage, it'll be vertical straight up and down. And then I just shoot at the tape. I don't care if I'm low or high. I just want to know if I'm left or right. You, you know, that drill. I mean, that that's, and then maybe some of the listeners don't. And then for windage, you turn the tape or turn the target the other way so that it's horizontal. And then you don't care if it's left or right. You just want to know high or low. And I don't know about you, but I normally don't have any issues with left and right. Where I come in, you know, if you get a little bit of target panic or, you know, your pins locking up underneath, that that's where I have issues. And where, where I correct that is I will get a target at like eight yards. And if, if that starts coming on and I'll, I'll, I'll have, you know, like a block target and I'll take golf tees and, and put four golf tees spread out evenly on that target. And I'll just pull back aim right at that golf tee with my pen cover the golf tee up up and then work on pulling you know firing the shot with my back muscles and i'll do that do that and then i'll start incrementally moving that target out further 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 um obviously we, we could do a whole podcast on target panic so not gonna go into that too too much but um and, and then what, what i do is really it, it's time to get into deer type scenarios and again, we're fortunate. We've got a little one acre layup yard here at the office and I've got a bunch of 3d targets and a tower. And I try to get, you know, elevated and shoot those targets, especially this time of year, you know, seven yards out to 50 yards, move them around. So they're not in the same place and, and stay elevated because I'm going to be shooting out of a stand. And that's a little bit different. And, and one drill you can do with a buddy that, that I have found that's really, really helpful is, take targets and put one at stay away from the even yardages, the 10, 15, 20, you know, go eight, go 12, go 32, go 48. You got four targets out there and then get drawn full draw. And your buddy is just going to stand there and he's not going to say a word. And then he's going to say 48. And then he's going to count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, and you have to execute the shot in those five seconds. Oh, wow. And what that does is it stimulates 
a deer coming through a shooting lane, right? And and so so you're you're drawn, or or you're not sure when to draw, and then all of a sudden, all right, he's committed, right? The deer, the buck's committed. He's coming to your shooting lane. So that's the you know forty two. So you know where he's going. So you get drawn, and then you know he's walked into your shooting lane. And he's about to go through it. So that's where, you know, it, the countdown works and, and it's putting pressure on you because of that. And you don't know what yardage you're shooting at right at the beginning. And, and you got a buddy there that's critiquing your shots. So all of that, it, you know, it, it helps a bunch with, with being able to get drawn and shoot. And then, you know, we'll also, we'll go, you know, on early in the morning or, or on the weekends and man, we'll go down to a spot at the hunt club and, and walk in and, and hang a stand and, and hook up the safety ropes and have our early season stuff on and take seven or eight targets and cut shooting lanes and, and go through the whole thing and shoot wow. 30, 40 arrows, three or four of us. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked about this a million times, um, controlling what you can control, right? We, you, you, that, that gets beat up and regurgitated on podcast over and over and over again, but it's so true. Um, you know, the gear prep and, and, and your shooting, um, once you once you get your bow and your arrow system set, it's time to really practice. Yeah, there's nothing that can benefit you more than being able to shoot your equipment or being able to execute with your equipment. I went like bad, 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 bad all of last year, um, all through this summer, just up until basically last month, like bad, bad, bad target panic. And it just came in and I had to change up a lot of stuff and I never, I took advantage of, or I took my practice for granted previously when I was able to do whatever I wanted with my equipment. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, I can execute a shot fine. And then once target panic set in, I was like, I can't, I just can't do this. And I took for granted all the just, just fundamentals of shooting and what you need to tell yourself as you're executing your shot and having a process and all that. And I really had to get back to, just focusing on my technique and executing a proper shot. And no matter what else you do to your equipment, if you can't hit where you're aiming, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's one of the, I mean, obviously finding the deer is the most important thing. If you're trying to kill a deer is finding one that you want to shoot. But s secondly, you, you got to be able to kill him. You know, you, you got to be able to shoot him. And, and, um, you know, we, we try, we were fortunate. We've got a bunch of hogs in the swamp. So we're, we're able to, even during the off season, get a little adrenaline rush on a, on a boar or whatever. So, we, you know, guys that can get out and hunt different things. I mean, even if it's rabbits, you know, whatever, whatever this, legal that you can hunt, you know, during the off season, I'm, I'm all for it, you know, getting out and, and getting reps and getting blood on those arrows as much as you can. Yeah. I think repetition is probably the, the biggest, um, advantage people can have. And everyone talks about on tactic podcasts about there's no substitute for experience. And it's the same thing with shooting an animal. Uh, I don't care if like, there's people that just don't shoot does. And I don't understand because fill those tags because when that big buck comes in there's nothing different it just has a it just has antlers so if you train yourself to have those repetitions and get that experience in the moment of truth that's going to pay dividends i don't think enough people um give enough credit to that no i i couldn't agree more man i i mean we I, my wife my son they love venison so so we we try and stack them up and, and eat venison three four nights a week and and love it you know the, the hamburger the sausage the loins the steaks the cube i mean we we love it and and um that, that's a big part of you know what we do and part of the hunting you know i guess culture for my family is to enjoy that sure and so with that said this is a good segue into talking about um heavy arrows and broadheads and lightweight arrows and mechanical broadheads you have <laughs> killed a lot of animals more animals than anyone that i've talked to in my life and part of my job is filming people's trophy rooms and their goal is to kill animals so with that being said what are your what are your thoughts on your arrow setup your your ideal weight and your broadhead choice from an elk to a Chipmunk, I am shooting a arrow that's going to weigh in that 450 to 480. I mean, you could say 500, whatever. That 450 to, like, if you weighed my arrows right now, they weigh 475 grains total arrow weight. 
And I, I do shoot 74 pounds. So it's, it's a little heavier, heavier bow. Um, but, but that is my arrows, a tw- 28 and a quarter. And that's from the throat of the knock to the, to, to, I believe it's to the carbon, throw the knock to the carbon, 28 and a quarter. Um, that's my, and a 29 inch draw. And I have shot a lot of stuff. I've shot a lot of hogs. Um, I've shot them through their shields, through their scapulas, um, and, and shot stuff, you know, mule deer at long yardages, uh, stuff in Africa at long yardages, uh, the shot, I just got back, shot three sable while I was over there. That's the third largest antelope in the world. And I shot them with this exact setup and killed them all. Um, I did shoot a sable quartering away that, that took us a while to find. And I shot a kudu, a big kudu, my biggest kudu ever, quartering two at about 20 yards. And um, man, double lunged him through the shoulder with a 470 grain arrow traveling at 304 feet per second wow. and the, the beauty of that era and that trajectory i get i shoot the same pin from zero to 30 and as bow hunters most of our shots are inside 30 yards so i got one pin i don't have to think about anything i get in the stand i range to that tree that's 30 yard tree and if the deer is inside of that I, i'm i'm done i'm good to go now, obviously, I'll have a couple more yardages at 40 or whatever, so I, I know what they are. But that flat shooting arrow, uh, at that weight gets plenty of penetration, and I've, I've proved it to myself over and over and over again. And then the trajectory I love. I mean, we, I, I've done a bunch of tests. You know, the, the heavy arrow thing kind of circle back around. And it's funny, it, you know, it was, it was at – we we won't get into all of that, but we, we certainly could. But you, you know, it was seven fifty. You know, you need over seven hundred. And I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, something's wrong here. I don't get it. Then it got knocked down to six fifty, and now it seems to be down around five fifty. And before long, we'll be back to normal weights that kill deer with. Um, but but you remember, I mean, it was over seven hundred. That was the what every. I mean, that, and that was what two years ago. Yep. 700, 700, and then boom, 650. And now, well, the ideal was 550. And anyway, um, I, I just, the, I shot the 650 versus the 450 and, and set up a jig at like a paper jig that I could shoot both arrows through. You know, I, I had the right spine. All that was, was tested. They were sighted in. I had a, a, a scalable site where I had everything marked. And same weight, same pounded, same bow, same everything. And I, I shot through the paper at, at 20 yards and I had the jig at 10 yards. And I did the same thing all the way out to 60 yards and had the jig at 30 yards. So you, you follow me the, the, to see the trajectory. The jig was at the halfway point and the target was at 60. We, we couldn't do 60 with the 650 grain arrow. It wow. shot over the jig, over the whole thing. <laughs> And, and I'm, go, I'm thinking to myself, now the chances of me shooting a whitetail in the timber at 60 yards are not very good. Um, you know, it, it, that's probably not going to happen. But at 30 yards, it was significant. And I think about some of the thick places I hunt and the limbs and stuff I have to shoot around. I'm like, it, it, this just doesn't make any sense. And then we did penetration tests. And you, you do. I mean, science proves it. A heavy era, you know, is, is, is going to get a little bit better penetration. But, but we couldn't see significant enough to where it would, would matter. And we, we made different molds and, and people are going to say, well, you don't shoot cardboard and you don't shoot plyboard. And I hear that. But so, so what do you do? You shoot a, a dead cow laying there. You know, your air is different every single time. You know, sometimes it's hitting scapula. Sometimes it's hitting bone. Sometimes it's hitting a part of the rib. Sometimes it's hitting nothing. So it's, it's going through that animal. How do you get any quantifiable data? from that so i beat that horse to death for two years and i'm past it um and and i'll be around that now if i if i go to shoot an elephant yeah man i'm gonna shoot a hundred pound bow with a 900 grain arrow because that's when penetration is is really going to matter and trajectory is not going to matter at all i mean i I may shoot a piece of rebar um you know i mean it it just that that's going to be a different animal but from if i'm hunting elk down to small whitetail four four fifty to to call it five hundred that's where I'll be yeah i had a I had a conversation with a customer not too long ago kind of about this topic and it was wasn't on weight but it was on arrow diameter and 
the guy asked me from your testing and stuff, what have you seen penetrate better? Your 204 diameter shaft or your 246 diameter shaft? And I was like, well, um, into a target, it's a completely different story. Like into a target, a 204 diameter shaft is going to penetrate better because it has less surface area. That's just the way mm-hmm. it's going to be. We're not hunting targets. And right. with my experience with both of our arrow shafts, both of them pass through the animal. So which one penetrated better? I don't know. They both right. like it it doesn't matter at that point. They're through the animal and they did what they were supposed to do. So take your pick. <laughs> shoot whatever yeah. you want to shoot. Um and I think it just boils down to like what we were talking about before and it's if you can't hit where you aim, none of that stuff matters. No it doesn't matter how heavy your FOC is, doesn't matter how heavy your arrow is, doesn't matter how what helical you have on your broadhead or on your vein because none of us are good enough archers to notice anyway. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. hundred percent. People spend too much time tinkering and, and I, I did it, you know, I did it. I tinkered and, you know, round and round and round and rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole, because it's fun. I'm a little bit of an archery nerd and I, I enjoy that stuff. You know, I've got a little, uh, press and, and, uh, vice and arrow cutter and chronograph and all that here in the back of the shop. It's kind of, it's kind of definitely garage type stuff, but, but, uh, I like to play with that stuff, but back to the heavy arrow. Another thing that guys don't realize is the longer an arrow is in flight, the more human error shows up. You guys don't realize that. So the long, you know, the slower that you talk, you know, you hear guys, the heavy air crowd talk about, Oh, the speed doesn't matter. You know, it's getting to the animal. You're not going to outrun the animal anyway. You know, you're talking about 300 feet versus 230 feet per second. And that that's not going to matter inside 30 yards. Well, buddy, it does matter. But because the longer that era takes to get there, the more, and we're human, we're not shooting out of one of those machines, right? We're, we're human. And, and the longer that era is in flight, the more human error shows up in that shot and you can't tell me i I realize we can't outrun the animal but a a arrow that's getting there at 300 feet per second versus one that's getting there at 220 to 240 i mean that that could be half an inch right could be half an inch and how many times have guys lost stuff they could have hit an artery could have hit the lungs could have hit the liver by half an inch you know that's a that's that's a big deal so again things you can control yeah, everyone um, talks about it being a game of inches, so why not try to save every one you can? Absolutely right. Diminishing return, right? I have found when you start getting up over about 305 feet per second, things get sporadic, and and it, it becomes tough to control. Uh, so, so it seems like, and I know Tim Gillingham and some of those guys are shooting 330 feet per second. They're professional archers. But as a hunter, I'm not able to have perfect form all the time. You know, I've got to bend down and around trees and out of saddles, and I, I can't have perfect form all the time. And when I get over about that 305, that's when my my accuracy in, in weird torqued positions starts diminishing. Sure, yeah, that's that's kind of getting into the threshold where the aerodynamics kind of take over, and that becomes the most important factor. Or when you're when you're under that threshold, it doesn't matter as much. Um, but I I completely agree. So. Game game of inches. Um, what about broadheads? What uh, <laughs> what uh, what's your thought on the uh, the broadhead choice? I know that you're on the mechanical side of the debate. Yep, I am. I'm a mechanical guy. Uh, again, from from elk all the way down to to small whitetail. Um, if I was going after Cape buffalo or or you know something really big, you know, big eland, I actually had a a a fixed blade in my quiver in case I saw a big eland. I was going to shoot it with my my fixed blade. So, no question about it. A well built fixed blade head normally the two blade ones, um, like an iron wheel, like a cutthroat, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. I don't mean to brand drop, but, um, that those well-built, uh, two blade fixed heads will penetrate better than, than a mechanical, not, not debating that. I agree a hundred percent. Um, to me, there are for whitetail too many pluses to shoot a mechanical. It's more accurate. 
there's no debate in that whatsoever. Guys will say, oh, if you got it tuned right, you know, I can shoot just as accurate out to 100 yards as my field points with my um, with my fixed blade. Yeah, you can in the backyard on a calm day, but let's throw 15-mile-an-hour Kansas winds. And, you, you you know, when we hunt, we torque our bows. We, we aren't always standing on a golf course to shoot. When you torque that bow, you take it out of time. So – that's where the mechanical winds is quieter. We we've tested them with decibel readers, you know, even the completely uh, no vented, like a cutthroat, um, you know, it has no vents on it. We've tested that on decibel readers and the, the mechanical is a quieter broadhead and guys, you know, a lot of guys do know that the deer hears the arrow coming at them, you know, when they get out to a certain level or certain yardage, they don't hear the bow go off. What they're hearing is that arrow. And it, you know, stand behind a wall and let a guy shoot by you at 50 yards and you won't hear the bow, but you sure will hear that arrow zinging and coming, coming down range. Um, so that's where the mechanical wins too. So you're going to be more accurate. Uh, you're going to be quieter and you got a bigger cutting diameter, um, you know, with like a big two inch, two and a quarter inch, uh, cutting diameter. So again, game of inches, we were just talking about it, boy, if I can get a half inch more, um, you know, get, get into those lungs, hit that liver, you know, whatever it may be, or if he does jump the string and, and you, you know, you've got a two inch cut versus a, a one inch cut, you know, it, that plays in your favor. So, and I get plenty of penetration, not all mechanicals are the same. Um, you know, some, some are built way better than others. And, um, you, you got to make sure what, whatever kind of mechanical you're shooting is that it is one of the well, well built ones. And, and you've got good sweep of the, of the blades, and, you know, there, there are three or four brands that make really good, solid mechanicals that I would have no problem shooting. What are those, if you don't mind me asking? I'm not a mechanical guy, so yep. I, I don't, I'm, not the, uh, I'm not the guy to go to on that. So what are those? Yep. So uh, I, the, the, I've had my most success with the Rage Tripan. Um, th- there are a lot of different Rages on the market. But if you're looking into them, the Tripan, it's got a titanium ferrule. It's got 0.039 thickness blades. It's a rear deploying broadhead, so it gets better penetration, and it has very well swept back blades. They've got a new no-collar system, so closing the blades and keeping them closed are very easy. So I'm, I'm big on the tripan. I really like the severs. They've got a, I don't like the, the, the 2.0 as much as I do the tripan. I'm not wild about those tabs that they have on them, um, but that, that's still a really good head. Um, the G5 uh, Mega Meat um well constructed feral man that feral will not break will not bend um it, it is a great thing the blades it's a three blade mechanical so you don't get quite as good a penetration and on those bit there it's a three blade with a two inch cut on all the blades so the wow. blades are um, but those blades will bend and, and and i've even had a few break but the animal was you know he was 40 yards from where i shot him um so so you know and, and those those G five uh, those G five Lutz blades, I believe they come out of Germany. Sharpest blade in the industry. I mean, out of the pack, razor freaking sharp. So love. I, I really if they made one G five made one called a Havoc. I think three or four years ago. And that's the broadhead I would be shooting right now. But they discontinued them. Hmm. Um, so that I guess the two things on the G five that. I don't like how the blades fasten. They've got like this ball and socket thing that makes it a little bit difficult for me, um, especially if you're in the dark and you pull one out of your quiver and it somehow got opened. Closing that thing back before you hunt could, can be a pain. Um, and then the fact that those long blades will will bend. I mean, this, so will the rages, so will the severs. So those blades will bend a little bit. But having three blades and staying in that 100-grain weight limit, they had to, the, the, they had to make the the – I guess the size of the blade a little bit smaller. I think they're even under 0.030. I think they're in the 0.02 something. I, I might be wrong about that. I have to look that up, but I know they are thinner. It's a thinner blade, Sure. but all, th- all three of those are great mechanical heads. I think, do you think, um, do you think that your poundage and your draw length and the kinetic energy that you're able to produce favors a mechanical broadhead more too because um if you're a shorter guy and you have a shorter draw length and you're not shooting as fast or don't have as much kinetic energy you are losing kinetic energy when the broadhead opens so if you are under that 
like if you're right around that threshold, maybe it's not the right choice if you're super short and shooting super slow. I could not agree more. Spot on. I, I like to have guys at, at, at north of 65 pounds, really, really 70, 70 pounds. I like to be north of 280 in 280 feet per second, 285. I think if you're there, 285 or or, or more, um, you can you you can shoot mechanicals. But but if not, if you're getting down south of 280, um, you, you, I, I I say get a really well built um, two blade fixed head. I, I would recommend that a hundred times. Like my son right now, he's he's just started. He's he's been a killer for, since he was little, but he's just started bow hunting. This will be his first year bow hunting and he's going to be shooting fixed blade heads. He's pulling 60 pounds. He does have a 30 inch draw, but he's under that. He's like 275, I think is what his, what his speed is. And, and, um, I just feel more comfortable with him, you know, for that fact of, of penetration is, is I think you need to have that speed, um, to, to be able to really capitalize on what those blades have to offer. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, I think some of the, the reason why the head like people buy into the heavy arrow thing or the high foc thing is the argument when you watch tv and you see all these hunts and nobody's getting pass throughs and the only thing that you know about that shot or the hunt is that he didn't get a pass through you don't know what his draw length was you don't know what his draw weight was you don't know anything about the arrow and um you don't know what broadhead he was shooting for some of it unless he told you. And I think a lot of guys don't like the mechanical broadhead and they say, because it loses kinetic energy, but if you have enough kinetic energy to spare, so what? Yeah. But I think a yeah. lot of those guys don't have it. Yeah. I, I like a, uh, I like a, a, a two holes in an animal too. I, I love it. And, and most of the time, you know, especially broadside, I'll get it if I make a good shot. Um, you know, I brisket shot some deer, uh, you know, shoulder shot some deer and I hadn't gotten full pass throughs and quartering away. I hadn't gotten full pass throughs, but it, nine times out of 10, if it's fairly open, I see them fall over, um, you, you know, and, and the blood trails, my gosh, the blood trails. I mean, I shot one in Mexico last year and I shot him low in the bottom of the heart and, um, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, you know, he ran in the brush and we got down. And I, I think it may be, I think that video may still be on my Instagram uh, account, but it, it literally, the, the ground, it was really like hard gray ground. And it, it, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he Red went carpet. and stood, it, it, yes, he went and stood somewhere and it, it was like you dumped it out of a five gallon bucket. Um, he just, he just totally bled out and it, gruesome. I mean, it, it, it was gruesome and, and the blood trails. That's another thing, you know, a small, uh, fixed blade um, you know you run one through the guts and it happens you got a lot more room to hit them in the guts than you do to hit them in that one bone that one leg bone that you can't get through um, and, and that that hole will plug up and you know I've seen it quite a few times where shoot them with a tripan or a big mechanical and and man there you, you've got great blood trails through the guts yeah um, and and we all know you know normally my, my rule of thumb is you gut shoot one. Obviously, you leave him alone 12, 14, 16. I found him 24 hours and still alive. They couldn't move. But, you know, depending on weather and, and coyote pressure and all that, you got to make a decision. But obviously, you know, you gut shoot them. I have found that they'll normally be dead or, or bedded within two to 300 yards of where you shoot them, depending on cover. But that's what I've normally found. And you get out of there and you go back the next day and you'll find them within two or 300 yards. But if you jump them and you, you don't have a great big hole through there, good flipping luck finding them. It, it's really tough. Yeah. There's a, there's plan B for you. You know, there's the, <laughs> the blood trail. Um, I mean, yeah. but I had that scenario happen last year in Iowa. I shot a buck and I was using a um, single bevel broadhead with a, I think it was an inch cutting diameter, like small head. And I shot this deer through the pump house. Pic I have a picture of the cut in the heart perfectly through the center of the heart. It couldn't have been a better shot. Yep. Fresh blanket of snow on the ground. I couldn't follow blood. I couldn't, wow. I couldn't follow blood. And I'm like, okay, so I'm in a weird predicament right now because I can't complain because I watched the deer die. And 
everything happened, but what if I would have hit him back mm. and I couldn't follow him? So there's plan. There's two plan B's here. Right. What head are you shooting? Uh, I'm testing a, a bunch of different ones last year. That, that was the fire knock dagger. That was Dorge's broadhead. And he told me, he's like, you're not going to get any blood, but you're going to watch the deer die. And I was like, okay. And I, I had wounded a buck um, previously in the hunt with the broadheads that I was shooting. I missed a coyote. So I was getting down to not having any more broadheads. So I put his in there and I ended up shooting a buck with it. But right now I'm testing um, the grizzly stick silver flame. It's a hundred grain broadhead, but I wanted to try a two blade, a true two blade. Um, Cause before I was shooting like a two blade with bleeders or you could even call it a four blade. Cause it was like an inch and an eighth cutting diameter. Then it had the secondary blades were an inch. So um, it was almost like a true four blade. So I want to try something with a strict two blade head or um, some people even call them one blade heads, but I don't know. I go all over the place with broadheads, tooth of the arrow. I'm testing um, yep. super small heads, but I don't know. I, I do have some hybrids in my quiver as well. So there's, there's sure. that too got those exodus i hear real good things about those and i think john lusk um the guy on, that on youtube that does a bunch of testing uh, i think he really likes the, the their tip you know yeah. that, that um that kind of that chisel tip i think he really really is big on those exodus fi fixed blade heads a lot um, of he, our he, customers shoot those yeah yeah um those are good heads i just don't have i don't know there's so many great broadheads on the market but um I haven't got myself to come back to mechanicals because of the way I hunt. I mm -hmm. find myself having to shoot through brush a lot or shoot through some grass. And I just, I, I, uh, eliminate the variables. I don't want anything to possibly fail. Like as in blades opening too soon, or, um, I just can't get past that aspect of it. Yep. But I, I watched, it was, uh, I forget who he was talking about John Dudley. Maybe he was talking about like, Joel Maxfield and um, all these guys that have shot so many animals, more anim animals than we will ever see in our lives. And they all use light arrows and light and fast arrows with mechanical broadheads. So if like, why do we have, why do we think we have to change? Why do we think that's, that doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joel, he, he's a good buddy and, and we, we talk, pretty regular about you know this kind of stuff and he's got millions of dollars of equipment right at his hands to test all this right i mean he he can test all this stuff i mean he's he's very fortunate he works for matthews but he doesn't have a dog in the broadhead or the arrow uh you know, he didn't have a dog in that fight it is super important for him to kill stuff right yep. i mean he marketing for matthews um, he needs to be behind animals and, and, and he, he loves to hunt, you know, he, he's, uh, he's addicted to hunting. Um, why, why would he do that? Why would he, you know, shoot something with all of the equipment he has to test stuff with? Uh, why would he, why would he not be shooting a 650 grain arrow with a, with a big fixed blade head? If, if that was going to put more animals in the salt for him. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, it, it it just it seems you know everybody's got an agenda, um, you, you know, and and that's what you kind of gotta gotta look at is is you know, do they have a dog in the fight or or not? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That that when I heard that um, statement, I was like, that's like the the mic drop that I've been waiting for for someone to just be like, look at just look at the proof. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because you can go to the Exodus YouTube channel and type in Joe Miles Whitetail Cribs and you can see a ton of animals that have been shot with that exact arrow setup that you were talking about. And at the end of the day, the, the you were able to hit where you aimed with equipment that works. Yep, that's it. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, you, you made a good comment earlier and um, – you know, you said the equipment is better than we are, you know, and, and that's so true. I mean, it is so we, you know, I, I've said this four times on this podcast, rabbit holes, but man, and I catch myself doing it, just get out and practice, 
instead of going back there and trying a new helical or, or a new knock or whatever it may be, just, just go shoot the bow. Just go shoot the bow, shoot the bow, shoot the bow. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Well, Joe, I think that's a good place to leave off here. Um, you got some preparation to do, some more. Um, you got to go call your insurance agency. <laughs> um, so uh, I uh, I would love to direct people to to talk to you or to find you. So you have a ton of stuff going on, podcast, Osseo, YouTube stuff. So um, let people know where they can find you. Yep. Uh, Instagram, Joe Miles Hunting is Instagram, Facebook, and then OsseoGear.com is our website. And then they've got the same social media handles and uh, Joe Miles Hunting on YouTube. Uh, we got some testing videos and, and stuff like that. Guys that are into, I'll just leave you with this. We, we, we built a really cool mold. It's got jello inside of it. It's kind of like the inside of an animal. And then it's got some board and cardboard stuff that is, is the best thing we found. Guys that want to tinker with some broadheads and, and are unsure, man, go to that YouTube video and, and look at that mold that we built and build some of those. And, and, and you can practice some on that and test out broadheads. And, and that's what I always say is, man, don't take my word for it or Cam's word for it or anybody's word for it. Man, get the stuff and try it yourself and, and figure out what, what works best for you.